are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday. Needed a day off on Monday. It's It's uh, been a long season, a little bit burnout, but we're going to have four more shows this week, well, total this week, and then we'll be back to five days a week, uh, but every now and then just need a bit of a break. Took that on Monday. Feeling good to come back with you all today and dive into some things we do need to discuss. I want to get into the Stan Van Gundy stuff a little bit more. I talked about the friction at the end of last week that kind of came out about it. Basically, I said, don't worry about it too much. But I do want to talk a little bit more about this. And I'll explain what I mean in terms of coaches versus players when it comes to that. Then we're going to start doing the season in review series. We're going to start with Najee Marshall today. There will be one of these in every episode we do until we, unless there's major news, until we get through them all. And then finally, we'll wrap up talking about the NBA playoffs, which are now underway, getting into the second game of some series as well. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So we talked on Friday about the stuff with Stan Van Gundy, and this was Sam Amick of The Athletic reporting on this stuff in a conversation that wasn't directly tied to New Orleans and just happened to kind of bring it up casually. But I'll tell you, as I told you on Friday, it's not wrong. There's some friction between the coach and the players here in New Orleans. Is it friction that you need to worry about? I don't know. I said there's potential that it could be. There's potential that it could become an issue. But I do think a lot of this had to do with just a a losing season, that being hard. The COVID stuff and the requirements of all that and all of that just being tough and wearing on people. And no one, no one, you know, it's just like you wouldn't want to be around that sort of thing, right? So by the time you get to the end of the season, everyone's like just ready to kind of move on. Players don't want to be told they're not trying hard enough, even though it's very clearly obvious they're not trying hard enough at times and they need to be better. It's kind of really as simple as that. And I didn't absolve completely Stan Van Gundy of blame on something like this either. He wasn't good as a head coach this past year. Like He was bad. I think that's safe to say. There's some nice things that he did. The player development that does fall under his umbrella, even if someone like Teresa Witherspoon predates him here in New Orleans. He is the guy that unleashed Point Zion. And according to David Griffin, was the only person in the head coaching interviews they had that even talked about using Zion as a point guard. He gets credit for all of that. But the end of end of game stuff was bad. The rotation stuff was bad. Subbing in Zion at times was really bad. So there's all just kind of a bit of a mess. But it's one of those things that if you start winning, it's likely to kind of just fix itself and go away. But here's the thing that could potentially blow up in the Pelicans' faces. If it does become bad and you have to make a decision between Stan Van Gundy or the players, you're going to pick the players almost every single time, right? Depending on who the players are, I guess. But say it's say it's Zion or Brandon Ingram. Say it's one of those two that have just kind of had enough of Stan Van Gundy. Even if it's Stan Van Gundy riding them and getting on them about things that they need to be better at. Defense, stuff like that. Being aggressive maybe at times. All of that. You know, if that's the case, even if Stan Van Gundy's right, 
How do you deal with something like that as the Pelicans as a team? Because that's where this could kind of blow up. If even let's use uh, Brandon Ingram as an example, right? Say because because we know his defense was really bad this year. That it's Stan Van Gundy just riding him hard to play defense and do more of that, and he's just like, "Screw this, dude, man! I don't want to do it. I want to play defense." If you're David Griffin or if you're a fan, whose side do you fall on? And I think that's where it kind of becomes an issue. Like Stan Van Gundy's not wrong, right? In that hypothetical situation, but. At a certain point, you just can't run all-star level guys, which Brandon Ingram is, out of town unless you're bringing in someone better than them. And that's kind of a problem. If Zion says, like, screw this dude, whose side are you falling on? Zion's or Stan Van Gundy, even if Stan Van Gundy was hypothetically right. It's not a great position to be in. And that's something that could blow up potentially, you never know, in the face of the Pelicans here. That if Stan Van Gundy isn't able to make a good impression on some of these guys. And even, you know, Lonzo Ball, if they re-sign him, would you pick Lonzo Ball over the head coach, right? Like, I think that's a thing too. So you run into this situation where if this, you know, could blow up, do you need to try and get out ahead of it given that we, what we've already seen? And the Pelicans aren't going to do this, right? They're not going to fire Stan Van Gundy. I think they would have done it by now, let's say. But they're not about to kind of go down that route or anything so far. Even when there's good guys that you could go get out there on the market to replace them. And I don't think David Griffin would be willing to admit defeat, even if it turns out Stan Van Gundy was not the right hire. And look, again, he wasn't a good head coach last year. There's potential, let's say, for things to blow up with the team. That's not exactly a great mix here. But I don't think they would rip the Band-Aid off. But it's something to keep an eye on. And as the clock starts ticking on Zion, and I hate to tell you, it already is. Unfortunately for them, it's already ticking. It's not a great position to be in. It's something that could eventually blow up. And so it's easy to kind of wave away this stuff with the head coach and the players, but keep keep an eye on it, especially if the team doesn't get off to winning ways to start next season right from the jump. So coming up, season in review on Najee Marshall and then a little bit of talk about the overall NBA playoffs coming up here next on Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to all of that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA card to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. The products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. No no one likes a smoker. It's kind of gross, to be perfectly honest with you, and now with Lucy, you have an alternative to that. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. It's the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly directly to your door each month so it's simple and you don't even have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down and the lozenges and gums are also FSA and HSA eligible so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them the locked on NBA network listeners go to lucy.co 
and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by rockauto.com. One reason repair and maintain your cars so you don't have to buy a new one. New and used cars prices right now are through the roof with shortages and it's just smarter to invest in your own, fix it up, repair it, save all of that money and keep it running so that you can just do everything you need to do. Being without a car has to be one of the worst feelings ever when you absolutely need one. Well, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Anything your car might need, they have engine control modules, brake pads, oil, little things like that that you can do yourself that aren't hard to keep your car running and stop you from having high repair bills at a mechanic that, by the way, won't be able to see you probably for a month or two. They've got it over at rockauto.com. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Because best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so it's season in review time, and we're going to do this for every single player on the Pelicans roster, but I want to start with a pretty fun one in Najee Marshall, a guy who has shown flashes of being really good, has a lot of improvements still to make. He's a young guy. He's a great story. He's going to be here next year. That's an important part to this too, which makes it a little bit easier and kind of has some potential and can be a bit of a Swiss army knife for New Orleans. So we're going to kick off the season in review series with Najee Marshall. Don't really need to tell you guys the huge story here. Here's an undrafted free agent that signed on a two-way deal with New Orleans and didn't play uh, basically significant minutes until March. Middle of March, he started to kind of get in games, but really didn't start playing when he finally started getting minutes until April, the beginning of April, when this season started back in December is when he finally started playing for New Orleans. And man, he made a big impression right away. So undrafted out of Xavier, he came in as a guy that made you forget all about your love if you had it for Kenrich Williams, kind of filling the same type of role. Six foot seven wing that can defend multiple positions, that hustles and tries to grab rebounds. And while his per game numbers don't look all that impressive, he played in 32 games, started 10 of them, averaged 22 minutes per game, shot only 39% from the field, 35% from deep on limited-ish volume, grabbed four rebounds, 4.6, uh, sorry, 4.6 total rebounds, three assists per game, about a steal, and 7.7 points, and that's it. But when you start to look at him in a, in a larger scale on a per 36-minute basis, which is what NBA starters kind of average, his numbers were kind of good. He averaged at that point 12.7 points per game, 13 points per game, seven rebounds, sorry, seven and a half rebounds, and four and a half assists. Those aren't bad while also making 1.5 threes per game, one and a half threes per game. Start to look at the numbers and it's like, oh, this is a useful role player. The guy who's your fifth option offensively that's there just to take and make threes and then play defense and just do his things. And that's 
largely what he did for New Orleans this season. He was a guy that could just step in and provide a little bit of a spark plug and help New Orleans when they really needed that. And he had a couple of games where he really stepped up and was big, both offensively and defensively. The game back in late April against the Clippers, where he was a plus 19 in that one because of defense and things that he was doing, even though he wasn't scoring. And then he has a game against the uh, Wizards, even though the Pelicans lose. And this is about the middle of April, where he had 16 points to go along with 11 rebounds. The rebounding numbers were really, really strong with him. And he put up three double-doubles on the season. Against the Golden State Warriors late in the year, right when they needed to get a win to maybe kind of spoil everything for Golden State. And they only lost by three. He also had 20 points and 13 rebounds. And when given a time to shine, he showed off that he's somewhat capable of being able to do this. So you loved what you saw with him. They used him in multiple spots defensively too. He's active on there. He has good footwork. He has enough quickness and speed to keep up with most guys. That's really what you want. Particularly for a guy who, after being converted from a two-way to a regular contract, is here for the next three years making absolutely, more or less, no money. I almost feel bad for him that the Pelicans signed him to such a solid deal. He's making $1.5 million next year, $1.78 after that, $1.9 the year after that. It's a pretty solid contract for New Orleans with the production that he gives you. And when you look at him, by the way, over those final five games or so, when he started to really play a starring role when the season was more or less done for New Orleans, his per-game average was 15 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, and 3.2 assists. And he did that while shooting 37% from three. That's a guy that can be a fifth starter for you, a guy off the bench, a guy that maybe you need to throw into the closing lineup. So he was overall very, very good and an easy guy to root for and a very nice story. Look, his what, what he showed you is about what he is. He's not going to be a ton more than what we saw from him this season, particularly defensively. He's not going to be an elite defender, but he's a wing that tries hard and you need dudes like that. You know, he's better than Kenrich Williams, I think, and gives you everything Kenrich did. And we all love that. And then he's just got higher upside, I think, to a certain degree. He's already better. The thing that he needs to improve the most upon, though, is going to be his three pointers and what he does. He at times struggled with that shot. And when you look at it over the course of the year, He only had, and this might surprise you, he only had two games where he made more than two threes per game. He had one game with four and one game with three. The rest of it was twos, ones, or zeros. Those aren't particularly encouraging numbers. He's going to need to shoot from three a little bit better, or at least take more of them, particularly if he's going to be out there on the court with Zion Williamson more. He needs to be a guy that makes teams pay when you double Zion when Zion kicks the ball out to him. If he can improve in that one area offensively, he moves the ball well, he rebounds well, he's going to be a highly productive player for New Orleans if that's the case. So all he needs to do, improve the threes, And that's a guy that New Orleans can feel really, really good about being in the rotation and potential starter for the future. So season in review for Najee Marshall, two thumbs up and also two thumbs up for New Orleans for signing him to a long-term deal at a really cheap price.
So coming up, some general NBA talk. Yeah, there's probably I'm probably going to make a joke about Anthony Davis in here somewhere too, particularly if you watched game one against the uh, between the Suns and the Lakers. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag. And you can get all the latest news and odds for any sport you want, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC. MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game. Maybe you feel Anthony Davis won't succeed in this game tonight and you want to put your money on it. No better way than heading over to betonline.ag. Plus, it's one of the only places where you can get odds on the WNBA. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On over at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so general NBA thoughts on the playoffs so far. One, I'll make fun of Anthony Davis in a second, I promise you. One, though, it's... Minorly annoying, let's say, seeing the Memphis Grizzlies in there. Like, as much as I I want them to succeed and I enjoy watching John Morant play, it kind of just gives you a sense of what could have been for New Orleans, particularly because Memphis beat Utah the other night and they play, I think tonight it is, um, in the second game of their series, sorry, tomorrow night. And it's just disappointing you know even if they get blown out the rest of the these next four games they still got that game one win over the jazz and had a lot of fun in there and dylan brooks has kind of grown up before our eyes to a certain degree john morant had his moments in the play in and in that first game just makes you feel like what could have been and those guys clearly having a lot of fun and enjoying themselves and that's something we want zion to feel here to hopefully keep him here in new orleans forever bit disappointing and I'll be honest there's some jealousy in me I think when I watch them play and seeing what they're doing in the playoffs where there is no jealousy whatsoever though is with the Los Angeles Lakers and watching what's happened to them in game one against the Phoenix Suns against by the way Chris Paul who's playing more or less with one arm in this one they Lost that game, only scored 90 points because Anthony Davis was absolutely terrible. In game one, he was 5 of 16. 13 points, just 7 boards. You look at his shot chart and it is just, woof, rough. Not what you want to see if you're him or a Laker fan whatsoever. And it's disappointing to see kind of what he reverted to in that game. Just mid-range jump shooting guy that the Suns were all about. Let him do that, no problem. And he just missed those. Those aren't a high percentage shot for him usually. That pick and pop game can be good, but he's never been a particularly lethal, at least since he's been in LA um, and towards the tail end of his career, three uh, mid-range shooter. It's there if he wants it because no one can contest it, but he doesn't hit those at a particularly high clip. And it led to them losing. And he put that on himself saying he needs to play better, blah, blah, blah. You got you to gotta show up. And after a real great run in the playoffs and finals last season, seeing him kind of be a little bit wishy-washy at times this year, not great. Also, I thought the game between the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat in game two was eye-opening. You could kind of see this coming, right? In the first game of that series where a lot of people were picking the Heat over the Milwaukee Bucks because of what happened in the playoffs last year, you saw... 
The Bucks not shoot well from three. Well, they started shooting well from three in game two, and they ended up blowing out Miami 132-98, basically, I think, uh, ending this series because Miami does not look particularly good and it looks like the bubble was a little bit of a fluke. But Bryn Forbes, six of nine. You had Pat Connaughton, five of nine for three in that game. That's going to kind of do it when those guys are just going off and hitting like that. Shows you, you need role players that can hit threes. And then when they go off, you can win those games. It, it's a weird little X factor at times where those guys just get going and you get enough from your star players. You'll be able to cruise easily to a victory. And that's what the Milwaukee Bucks did, showing that they've got to bring in more three-point shooting here. Those are two kind of unheralded guys off the bench, not particularly great players. Though Pat Connaughton has kind of shown off that a little bit. Um you got to have guys off the bench that can hit threes. You need it in this day and age in the NBA, and hopefully David Griffin is watching that kind of taking note. But also you need guys that do a little bit more than that because you know what? You have shooters on the Miami Heat too, and they didn't really show up in this one. Kendrick Nunn was one of five. Duncan Robinson just two of six. Tyler Hero only took two th- threes in this game, which was a little bit surprising. You know, it giveth and it taketh away to a certain degree, but you need guys that are a little bit multifaceted as well. Um, but also can show you kind of boomer bust mentality, right? But I do think more three point shooting off the bench that's reliable at times. And when those guys get hot, you guys, you have to capitalize on it. Certainly can do that. And I think that's a really important thing. So I don't know some things that I've noticed here in the playoffs so far, but really the Lakers kind of crapping the bed against the Suns and Suns coming out and being really well prepared. And by the way, look at that Phoenix team, right? Some of the players they have, it's a bunch of three and D wings as role players around the two main guys in Devin Booker and Chris Paul and to a lesser extent, DeAndre Ayton, who kind of arrived in the playoffs and in game one, I think Booker was awesome. So was DeAndre Ayton, but you have guys like Mikhail Bridges, who's really important, Jay Crowder. You have others that are kind of just three and D wings that have key games for you and can defend multiple positions. And it's, it, it gets you kind of far. You know, even when they don't shoot particularly well, Cameron Johnson, um, I thought did a great job in game one as well. You know, he's one of those guys that can guard multiple positions out there on the wing too. You need those type of players. And, you know, when you look at the season in review on Najee Marshall, he checks that bucket. Now you just got to find more of them. And if they do that, I do think you can put some pretty good role players around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. More to come tomorrow, including season in reviews as well. We'll probably talk more about the coaching stuff too and kind of what's going on with the team with that as well. So make sure you subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.